Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be with you today. Have you enjoyed so far the summer series going through 1 John? What what an awesome what an awesome book. And it's probably powerful and inspiring because John had the first-hand experience of walking and talking with God, which is extraordinary. Isn't that awesome? And John, if I could distill first John down to the lowest common denominator, is that John wants us to know God is light, and in him there is no darkness, and God is love, and in him there is no fear. And we have no doubt of this. John has no doubt of this, and here's why. Because he has seen God, and his name is Jesus. And this is what John wants us to know. Knowing Jesus equals knowing God. Knowing Jesus is knowing God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day that we have the honor and the privilege of gathering together. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you, our minds to you, our spirits to you, and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Speak to us in the way that you need to speak to us to reveal your truth and your heart. And Lord, we humble ourselves and we will listen so that we can become more like you because you are worthy of our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. First John is in my top five favorite books of the Bible. I love First John. And chapter four begins like this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And before we get into testing spirits and false prophets, I mean, isn't it good already? It's so juicy, so juicy, First John right here. Uh, we're going to talk about prophecy. Prophecy is a communication gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's listed among the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. And it simply means a person speaking on God's behalf. It's someone speaking on God's behalf through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, the prophets communicated God's plan to guide the people of Israel, and they foretold of the coming Messiah. And then John the Baptist comes along, and you know what Jesus calls him? He, he calls him the greatest prophet. Because John's message is, the Messiah is here. The best message of all. Jesus is here. And John prepares the way for Jesus' ministry. And Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, he says this, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially, that's it, come on kids world, especially <laughs> prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Today, do you know the gifts of the Spirit are still alive today? Do you know the Lord still talks to us? He still does. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit, they're still alive, and God is still using the prophetic gift. And, and, and why? To strengthen, to edify, to encourage, to direct or redirect 
us back to the truth and the ways of the Lord. Hebrews 1, first, there's about 140 scriptures in this message today, so just prepare yourself. We're, we're getting deep. Hebrews 1, I love the way it clarifies prophecy even more. Let's look at Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Did you hear that? the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Brian Zahn is a pastor. He's an author of a book called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, which I highly recommend. And he sums up that verse like this. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus is what God has to say. Jesus told us in John 14, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, would help us and live in us and teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is always drawing us back to Jesus because Jesus is the perfect revelation of God to all of humanity. Knowing Jesus equals knowing God. So once again, Jesus is what God has to say. All right, so back to verse 1 of 1 John 4. Friends, dear friends, or I, I think when I memorized this verse as a teenager and I memorized the New King James Version, so I always want to say, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Beloved, dear friends, who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to us. He's not saying, hey, sinners that don't know anything, don't believe every spirit. He's saying, you guys who know the Lord, who have the Holy Spirit inside of you, guess what? Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe means don't fall for, be influenced by, or come in agreement with everything you hear. Because not everything you hear is true. Don't just fall for it. Don't be gullible. Don't be naive. Don't believe every spirit. Every spirit? There's more than one spirit? You have a spirit. We are a spirit. We're soul, spirit, and body. We have the Holy Spirit, capital S, indwelling when we come and ask Jesus to be Lord of our lives. We have the Holy Spirit, but there's other spirits lowercase s, not the Holy Spirit. And these other spirits, Ephesians 6, 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are other spirits, those are the principalities that are trying to deceive and destroy you, you, and me, and everyone you know and love. And then he says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Oh, there's a method. John's going to teach us a method 
for testing a spirit. I love applicable things that I can use. Because, what does it say? How many false prophets? How many? Many have gone out into the world. Okay, so we remember a prophet, a true prophet, speaks on God's behalf. So who do false prophets speak on behalf of? Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's two things. Ezekiel and Jeremiah talk about false prophets speaking out of their own imagination. That means they're speaking out of their own spirit. They have their own agenda, right? That's something someone can do. Another way a false prophet speaks is out of, let's see what it says here. Going out to the world through the spirit of the Antichrist. Everyone say Antichrist. But every spirit, verse 3, that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Earlier in 1 John 2, he says, many Antichrists have come. See, we're all like waiting for one dude. That's, but newsflash, the spirit of the Antichrist is here and moving and already working, right? It's already happening. Antichrist literally means the anti-anointed one. Christ is the anointed one. Antichrist is anti-anointed one. This is the adversary, the deceiver, Satan. Let's call him the devil. Let's just call him the devil. This is the devil and his demons. They refuse to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Refusing to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. The spirit of the Antichrist is anti-everything ordained by God. They're not, the Antichrist isn't for anything. He's not, he's not creating something. He's anti-everything that God is. So like a mob boss, he's operating this rebellious mutiny which promotes false values and the ungodly spirits drive the corrupt systems that are behind everything evil in this earth. It's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we know from John 10.10, 10, what does the thief come to do? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's the agenda. The agenda is, now, the Antichrist can't just come and go, I'm going to steal from you and I'm going to kill you because he's, right? It's more subtle. He's called the deceiver. He's going to deceive. Here's the means to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to deceive you. I'm going to manipulate you. I'm going to mislead you. I'm going to misinform you so that I can get you slowly to fall off a cliff. This is, my, this is my tactic. That's what the Antichrist says. Let's identify some Antichrist spirits. There's the spirit of infirmity. That's in Luke. The spirit of fear is mentioned. Spirit of destruction. Spirit of religion. There's lots of spirits with different MOs. They're doing different things. And they're all working under this umbrella of deception and destruction. They all have their little things, but they're all after the same thing. And this last one, the spirit of religion. 
where there is self-righteousness, where there is legalism, where there is hate, where there is slander, where there is condemnation, where there is idolatry, where there is salvation by works, where there is doctrinal error, these are the fruits of the spirit of religion, a hardworking branch of Antichrist International. And all over the world, right? I mean, this is where other religions come from that don't believe in Jesus. This is where cults come from. All over the world, the spirit of religion is trying to lure and convince people to reject Jesus and either worship an idol or worship themselves. That's the goal. Worship an idol, worship yourself. But if you are doing those two things, who are you not worshiping? You're not worshiping Jesus, that's right. Now within Christianity, there's still a spirit of religion. We still gotta come against this, but the spirit of religion is a little more, a little more stealth, because the spirit of religion, the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to like go behind enemy lines, as it were, and he's a little less obvious. So here's what he does. The spirit of the Antichrist in the church wants to create division in the body of Christ and wants to convince a believer to reject Jesus without them realizing they're rejecting Jesus. This is the sneaky attack of the spirit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. There's a spirit of the Antichrist who wants to convince you to reject Jesus without us even realizing we're doing it. This is diabolical. Do you feel this is diabolical? I do. So John gives us two tests. John gives us two tests we can use so we don't fall for the sneaky snake. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So the first test, what is the confession of the spirit? What, what's the confession there? And the second test, Scott, can I have the, the, uh, the previous verse? Does that have more to it? We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. This is the second test. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. So, number one, does this, does this spirit, is this person, do they confess that Jesus is Lord? And number two, do they follow the apostles' teachings? Do they listen to the teachings? Do they agree with everything that we've said about Jesus? These are the two tests. So basically, those, that's how we vet a prophet. Do they believe Jesus is the Lord? Do they agree with the apostles' teaching? And to know if they follow the apostles' teaching, you got to know the apostles' teaching, right? <laughs> I don't know if they're following it. I don't know it. I mean, maybe they are. But it kind of means we, we got to know something. We got to know the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. You got to know, you got to know the Bible. The more we know the Bible, the less we can be fooled. The more you know. Dun, 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 right? So if I know scripture, I can discern truth from error. I cannot fall for false prophecy because I'll just take what someone says and I'll cross-check it. I'll cross-check it, right? 
So problem solved? Not quite. Because I forgot to tell you another despicable thing about the spirit of the Antichrist, which is it can hide behind scripture. Demonic spirits know scripture, and some of them know it better than you do. And we know this because remember uh, Jesus in the wilderness? What does the devil say to him? The word. <laughs> the devil says, if you are, right? He will command his angels to keep charge over you. And right? The devil quotes, first of all, how dare <laughs> the devil <laughs> try to quote scripture to Jesus? But that's what he does. And does Jesus, oh, well, that's true. I guess I'll do it. Does Jesus fall for it? No, and neither should we. We shouldn't fall for it either because Jesus knows the agenda behind what's being said. Okay, so recognize this. The spirit of the Antichrist knows the truth and rejects it. We know the truth and we receive it. That's the difference. So the enemy can weaponize the Bible against us to fool us for his agenda. And we're repeatedly warned about this in Scripture. Paul says, for such are false apostles and deceitful workers masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. His servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, and by their fruit you will recognize them. And then Jesus says again later in Matthew, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And I like how Jesus adds, see, I've told you ahead of time. I'm telling you, it's not a secret. How do you think that even the elect could be fooled? Because the spirit of deception is in sheep's clothing. It's not out there going, I'm evil, I'm gonna kill you. Saying, I got, a, I got a word for you. It's in sheep's clothing. Doesn't that make you mad? It makes me mad. Listen to what might be the most chilling verse in all of scripture. Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. I mean, anybody else never want to hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you? <laughs> you guys, that would be the worst. That would be the worst. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. Let me explain this scary verse to you. These people are literally telling Jesus, you have to let us into heaven because of what we did. Lord, look at what I did. Lord, look at what, look at my works. That's why I get in. 
I did signs. I did miracles. Jesus, you got to be so impressed with me. And then Jesus is like, if you think you saved yourself by your own works, we don't know each other. You didn't believe in me. You believed in yourself. You believed in yourself. And you guys, this is what the spirit of the Antichrist wants. He wants you to reject Jesus and worship yourself. Let's have a little object lesson. Let's look at some counterfeit money. The Secret Service, do you know, originated post-Civil War to stop the spread of counterfeit money that was weakening the U.S. financial system and messing up the economy. And I just want you to look at these two bills, and I want you to look, and you let me know which one you think is counterfeit. And we'll just take a vote. Who thinks this bill is counterfeit? Show of hands, not many. Okay, who thinks this is the counterfeit bill? A few more, a few more. Who's, who thinks they're both real? Nobody. You don't know. A Secret Service person who is an expert in counterfeit bills, they don't study counterfeit bills. They study the authentic U.S. Treasury bill. They study the real thing. Because there's so many counterfeits, they all look different. What they do is they know the real bills so well, they can look at that and know these are both counterfeit. Spoiler alert. They're both phony, but we don't know that because we haven't studied the real thing close enough to know just by looking. Likewise, to be on guard against the counterfeit lies of the enemy, we have to become an expert. But not at the expert of all the things that could go wrong. Who do we have to be an expert in? We have to know the word, and we have to know the word. This is exciting, guys. Get ready. Okay. The word and the word. The Bible is the word. Lowercase. Lowercase word. The Bible is this beautiful book containing 66 books that are inspired by God and written for us to reveal God to us. This is my Bible. It is God's word. It is essential. But this book is not God. We know that. We know this book isn't God. It's not the fourth member of the Trinity. That would be a quadrinity. I don't even know. I just know it's not right. This book is not God. The Bible is only holy because it leads me to a holy savior. That's why this book is holy. So I just love reminding myself, God didn't become a book, he became a human. God became a human. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning and through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the word capital W, 
became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from God's sight. Him. No creature is hidden from him. This is the living word. This is Jesus. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, the Bible is the word. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. And here's why it matters, because if we mix it up, we're in danger of making this an idol. Even this can become an idol. And we know this is true, because that's what cults do. (laughs) That's what other religions do. That's what an atheist has done. They've made this an idol they can't believe in. They know the word. They've read this, but they don't know the word. They don't know Jesus. And so we keep the Bible from becoming an idol by placing it under the authority of Jesus Christ. Under the authority of Jesus. And let's all remember the church wasn't built on a book. It was built on the declaration that Jesus is Lord. Right? Who do you believe I am? You are Lord on this, on this confession, on this proclamation. I will build my church. Jesus is Lord. There's a great illustration of this in Luke, known as the Transfiguration. Jesus takes Peter and James and John, his closest disciples, up on a mountain, and they're praying. And then all of a sudden, Jesus starts glowing from head to toe. And then all of a sudden, when Peter wakes up, Elijah and Moses are there, there, and all three of them are glowing from head to toe. And Peter is like, wow, wow. Peter tells the disciples, I know what we're going to do. It's Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Let's build them tents. We're going to build a tabernacle to each of them, three tents, all of equal value and reverence and worship because there's all three of them. And all of a sudden, boom, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice from heaven came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. Moses and Elijah are not Jesus' equals. The law and the prophets that's, that's who they represent, right? Moses was the lawgiver. Elijah was the prophet. And the law and the prophets, they, they enabled a way for us to have a relationship with God, right? That was the beginning of the whole thing. But they do not hold or reveal or contain the same authority as Jesus. 
Moses doesn't trump Jesus and Elijah doesn't outvote Jesus. Jesus is Lord and through him we have a new covenant and the Old Testament doesn't overrule the new covenant. It shows us why we needed it. That's what the Old Testament does. It reveals why we needed Jesus and his covenant. And so Jesus is the final authority. God said, listen to my son. So once again, Jesus is what God has to say. So let's remember, false prophets, they're hiding behind the credibility of Scripture to get you to trust them. However, they don't know the word, which is Jesus. So whenever you hear a teaching or you hear a prophecy or you're reading a book or you're listening to a song, you have to hold and examine that message under the declaration that Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Right? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. He didn't say whoever memorized all the scriptures, which I'm not saying is wrong, but that doesn't mean you're not walking in darkness. Whoever follows. Remember Jesus said, if you, if you really love me, you'll obey me. You obey the thing that you're following after, the thing that you're staying close to. It's got to be Jesus. So we have to place everything under the lordship of the light because he is light and in him there is no darkness. And I want you to think about it like a very special flashlight. I'm going to call it the Jesus flashlight. The Jesus flashlight. You all have one. Everybody's got one. And anytime you open the Bible, I want you to read it with your Jesus flashlight. And anytime someone's telling you something about the Bible, I want you to look at it and examine it with the Jesus flashlight. Because the Jesus flashlight illuminates everything Jesus said, everything he taught us, his character, his promises, everything that he, how he responded, everything he taught us. This is what the Jesus flashlight illuminates. And what it does is it creates an atoning framework for us to examine everything else against. Everything in our lives should be placed under the full and complete authority of Jesus. So we can say, what example does Jesus give me in this situation? Like, what what did Jesus say about this particular thing? How would Jesus react to this? Wait, what did Jesus promise me about this? And here's what happens. If we have scripture and we don't use a Jesus flashlight, it's likely we'll believe some things in error. We'll believe some things falsely. And I have two examples for you of people quoting scripture to Jesus and then Jesus shutting them down. Okay, John 8, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, they they bring him this woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. (gasps) Scandal. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Huh? What do you say about that, Jesus? Because we just quoted Leviticus to you. What you going to say? And you know, Leviticus does say adulterers should be put to death. But you know what Jesus says about that? 
Jesus is good news. I'm a better word. I'm a better word. Let he who is without sin throw the first stone. Woman, where are your accusers? Now go and sin no more. Jesus is a better word. Luke 9. When a Samaritan village doesn't exactly welcome Jesus and his disciples, they have a great idea. Lord, would you like us to call down fire from heaven and destroy these unwelcoming people? Because, you know, we read 2 Kings, and Elijah called down fire. Let's show him who's boss. Come on, Jesus, let's show him who's boss. And after rolling his eyes, Jesus said, Jesus rebuked them, but what Jesus is really saying is, calm down, there's good news. I'm a better word. I'm a better word. I'm, I'm the redeemer. Can you trust me to be the redeemer? You got to go guns a-blazing. Can you trust me to be who I say I am? Will you walk in my footsteps? I'm the prince of peace. I have a different, I have a, I have a different method. And here's what I want us to understand. Jesus corrected the disciples' wrong assumptions about God. Do you know why he can? Because he is God. That's why Jesus can correct. <laughs> because he's God. And in the light of Jesus, we have the final revelation of God. And I want to make something really clear. It's not because God changed. It's because he changes us. God doesn't change. God is immutable. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. So if you're kind of like, I look at the Old Testament and then I look at Jesus and sometimes God looks different. God has always looked like Jesus. We just didn't see him that way. We didn't understand him that way. God has always looked like Jesus. So the Jesus flashlight is essential, right? You have to hold scripture under the Jesus flashlight. And that's the way we examine it. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're going, wait, why isn't it the Holy Spirit flashlight? The Holy Spirit is the batteries, y'all. The Holy Spirit is the batteries. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't even use the Jesus flashlight. You can't use a flashlight with no batteries in it. The Holy Spirit empowers you and me to receive and understand the light of Jesus. And without the Holy Spirit, there is no Jesus flashlight. We wouldn't even know. We'd all be in the dark. We'd all be completely in the dark. So that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Next verse, John 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who's in us? More specifically, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And what is the Holy Spirit always leading us to and revealing? Jesus. That's right. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We're from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, from the spirit of falsehood, the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The Antichrist rejects Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is greater than any other spirit. I mean, after all, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. 
resurrection power inside of us. But now just because the Spirit of God is inside of us doesn't mean he's agreeing with everything we're doing. Because the indwelling is a salvation promise. It's grace. It's a gift. But for me to surrender and submit myself to be filled with the Spirit of God every day, I have to choose that. I have to partner with the Holy Spirit to do that. And I got to partner with the Holy Spirit every day so I know what's going on. So I can discern. So that I can obey. So that I can follow Jesus more closely. We overcome through our submission to the Holy Spirit. But if we remove the framework of Jesus completely out of the picture and we turn off the Jesus flashlight, the Holy Spirit could say anything you want him to say. The Holy Spirit can tell you anything you want if, if you're not looking at Jesus, right? There was this car parked on the side of the road and there were keys in it and the Holy Spirit said, take it, it's yours, hashtag blessed. Right? Or the Holy Spirit said I could flirt with them because it's harmless and my spouse doesn't have to know. I'm not doing anything really wrong. Or the Holy Spirit said lying to them is for their good. They can't handle the truth. Or the Holy Spirit said, you know, you're not addicted yet, so it's fine for you. You're not addicted. It's fine for you. Or the Holy Spirit says, oh, those people are the worst. They, have, they, they deserve everything awful that's coming to them. And it's funny how outside the mercy-filled, love-saturated, atoning framework of Jesus, the Holy Spirit agrees with selfish, prejudiced, bitter, angry people. The Holy Spirit could sound like anything without the framework of the atoning love and grace of Jesus. Because here's the deal. The Holy Spirit doesn't reflect your heart. The Holy Spirit reflects God's heart. The Holy Spirit reflects God's heart to us. And God's heart for you always looks like and sounds like Jesus. Because he wants us to think and act and be more like Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus is what God has to say. So we must have both the Bible and Jesus, right? So if we were going to sum up those two tests in John 4, we would say it like this. Is this prophecy in agreement with the word? And is this prophecy in agreement with the word? Right? Because we have to know the word and the word. If we just know the Bible and we forget about Jesus, this becomes a weapon to hit yourself and others. And if you just, like, you're obsessed with Jesus and you don't read your Bible, Jesus is going to start to look a lot like you. So you have to know the word, and you have to know the word. Amen. Now, can a prophetic word, will it strengthen us and equip us? Yes. Do you know why? Because a prophetic word from the Lord is always directing us closer into the arms of God and into the heart of God. And yes, that will strengthen us. Can a prophetic word correct me? Yes, but it will never condemn you. Can a prophetic word caution me? Can God warn me about something? Yes, but God will never curse you. Because Jesus came to deliver us from the curse. Jesus came to convict us, but never condemn us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. 
and Jesus breaks the curse. So in our spirit-filled circles, right? We're a spirit-filled, charismatic bunch, and we love the word, and we love the gifts. And in these circles, there's a lot of prophecy, friends. Who's heard a prophetic word this week? Yeah. Prophetic words are all over the place. And that's awesome, but we got to be discerning. And now we have social media, so everyone shares their prophetic words with everybody. I can hear a prophetic word from someone from Idaho in their church, right? We, we can hear all kinds of things. And so that's awesome. But I always measure every word I hear with 1 John 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirit. And most times, it's a good word. Because the Holy Spirit loves to talk to us, and he loves to share the heart of God with us, right? And so most times, man, God is telling you something to just draw you closer to his heart. And it's beautiful. Miss Pat gave me a prophetic word two weeks ago. And what it did, what it felt like, was God wrapping his arms around me so that I could follow him better. It's a good word. It's a beautiful word. And then other times, sometimes, someone's speaking out of their own agenda. They're given a word, but it's out of their own spirit. That's, it's a false word. And then other times, they're speaking the Antichrist word. It's a... It's also a false word. It's a really false word. I've noticed there are a few buzzwords false prophets love to say. I was going to share a couple of them with you. And um, they're not bad words. They're not wrong words. They're vague and they're pliable. And the first word a false prophet loves to say is God. God showed me something. I heard God say this. God told me to tell you this. And again, is God, God a bad, God's not a bad word. But God is a, it's a mysterious word, right? It's, it's, a, it's a word with a vast meaning. And so the framework of God is a lot more wide, a lot more nebulous, and a lot more easy to manipulate an agenda around. I can say a lot of things in God's name. But the framework of Jesus is very defined and very narrow. Jesus said, I'm the narrow gate. The word they avoid is Jesus. Because Jesus looks like something, Jesus sounds like something, and Jesus has done something. And I can't wrap any agenda I want around the name of Jesus. I heard a prophecy, it was about 30 minutes long, and not one time was Jesus mentioned. But God was mentioned about 287 times. There is too much authority and identity in the name of Jesus, and we have to be accountable to the name of Jesus. Word number two, false prophets love to say, biblical. Biblical. Don't you want to be biblical? It sounds good. I want to be biblical. There's a lot of things in the Bible, friends. There's a lot of biblical things I don't know we want to do. Um, and they do this by, here's what will happen. In being biblical, they're going to deify a verse, usually out of context, or a person in Scripture. And I'm just going to, an example would be like David. They're going to talk about David. 
And here's why it's so tricky. We like David. David's a good guy. He's a man after God's own heart. Um, David was a brave warrior and a worshiper, but he was also a liar and adulterer and a murderer, right? Right? He's all those things. So is he the bar? Is David the bar? David, bless him, reveals the thousand reasons why we don't need earthly kings, but we need a savior and a Lord. Okay, so sometimes you might hear someone say, God's raising up a David generation. Who has heard the words David generation? God's raising up a David generation, and I'm not saying that wrong. What I'm saying is if you hear that, ask yourself, what's the agenda behind these words? Is God raising up a David generation so that we repent before God and come to him as humble worshipers? Because that's good. Green, green flag, green light. Or is God raising up a David generation so we will kill the unrepentant and pillage their village? And Jesus said, love your enemies. See, that's a red flag. We have to look at the agenda behind the phrase. Because someone, you can totally prophesy and refer to David, but I'll tell you what you can't do. You can't cite David or Moses or Elijah or anyone else in the Bible to silence Jesus. You can't cite anyone else to silence Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. There's two more words, but we're saving them for home life. So if you go to home life, on the handout will be other words false prophets say. And the word that they avoid is, say it with me, Christ-like. Because Christ-likeness looks like Christ. There's a lot of things that are biblical. There's not a lot of things that are Christ-like. We are accountable. And we are drawn into the likeness of Jesus in a word that's leading us back to him. Because who are we? We're the body of... We're supposed to look like Jesus. We're supposed to look like Jesus, which means we are to be Christ-like. And that is superior to biblical. There is a reminder in 1 Thessalonians 5. It's the perfect conclusion for us today. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Jesus is faithful to us. He sent his Holy Spirit to abide in us so we could follow him and know his voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And then we know what's counterfeit from what's the real thing. His spirit confirms and builds on the atoning framework of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, let us not deny the lordship of Jesus in any area, in any hobby, in any conversation, in any view, in every, any opinion. Let us not deny the lordship of Jesus, not even one inch, because Jesus is the final revelation of God to us. He's the ultimate prophetic word that every other word must bow down to. Jesus is what God has to say. Can our prayer partners come up? 
If you have anything in your life you want to bring before the Lord, there is a name I know that is greater than any other name. And they will pray and believe with you, and you can trust the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that your spirit is alive and big in us and that you continue to reveal your heart and your truth and your ways because we are a people that will confess that Jesus is Lord. We will hear your voice. We will be discerning and we will follow no other. And when we do, we will show the world who you are and bring your light to every area of darkness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Have a beautiful week. God loves you. We love you. Amen.